Welcome to the Power of Space podcast. My name is Ali Jafarian, and I'm your host. The Power of Space is a reflection of the total human experience from the lens of creators, leaders, visionaries, and other extraordinary people. We'll explore compelling thoughts, unique perspectives, and deep awareness around creating space in our everyday lives. These discussions are intended to ignite our natural curiosity and inspire us to realize new levels of personal transformation. I'm glad you're here, and I hope you enjoy the content. Now let's create some space. Welcome back, folks. I have a guest, a local friend, Mr. Anthony Chavez with us today. What's up, brother? Thank you for being here, first and foremost. You've come into my life more recently. And we haven't had a ton of interactions, but you're the type of person that when we do interact, I'm like, this is my people. This is my dude. And we're in somewhat similar phases of life, which we're just jamming on fatherhood, Mm -hmm. the coaching world. And I know we'll get to all that good stuff soon, but I love having the opportunity to share some space with people who are local. And you have a very interesting story. I met you through a mutual friend, Kyle Weger. Then we did a little bit of work together. And now here we are. I'll tell yeah. you what sparked this. The other day I was doing my thing through Instagram and I just caught you, dude, sharing this beautiful clip, dancing with your daughter in the kitchen. And not only did it like inspire me, I was like, oh yeah, I love doing that stuff too. But I was like, we need more of this on social media. I love seeing people like you that command so much professional respect, but also are just fun and humble enough to be like, this is what I want to share right now. I'm dancing in the kitchen with my daughter. So more of that for me, at least. That means a lot. I've always had this story about my social media. It's never been curated. It's just like whatever. Sometimes it's dumb memes. Sometimes it's profoundly inspirational. But that moment, I remember, you know, my hair was a mess. I had a dirty shirt on and we were just dancing. I'm like, this, this is joy right here. Like, this is it. So... Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thanks for picking that out. And then also, it's funny that you say my peeps. I remember that first meeting we had and I hung up and was like, that's one of my dudes. Like, this is going to be one of my guys when I get out there. Because I wasn't even in Denver yet. I was still in Southern California during that first meeting. So this is cool that it's all come together. Indeed, man. And I think that kind of goes to just a, a natural starting point. So you're in Denver now, originally from California, but just take us back. What's the short story of Anthony's life and take that anywhere you want because I'm hyper curious. Let's see. So first love baseball. Let me just start Mm. there. Dad snuck me into a league when I was four. You're supposed to be six and played through high school, played college, played after that, tried to make it. Uh, But being all of five, nine, just wasn't going to (laughs) happen. But that was it. So I started there and then started coaching and just found myself in the role of a coach. And it was interesting. It was this natural transition to being able to get in front of people and to help them see their blind spots and to help them grow. And this is when I was young, dude, like still in my 20s. So Mm -hmm. I was doing that. And then I would say my first career was in the mortgage business. Though it was during the subprime era, that fun part. But I left coaching baseball for that. And again, within three months, found myself in uh, the role of sales trainer, like coach. 
helping other dudes and gals figure out how to communicate the best mortgage product for their people at the time. So still unbeknownst to me that this is kind of where I'm being pushed to go. Mm-hmm. That blows up, that falls apart. And then uh, I ended up like losing everything, which is a really fun part of my life to look back on, but holy moly. So I was crushing it in my mid twenties, the mortgage industry blows up. And then I find myself having to move back home with my dad after having a six figure income, like just Mm -hmm. tail between the legs, car got repoed girl. I was living with left me. She took our cat. Like I was a country song. It was awesome. (laughs) You know, I'm spending a lot of time just being depressed on the couch and trying to figure out what's next for my life. And, uh, one of my cousins who I had worked with, he's a real estate agent. He's like, again, this theme that I didn't see until after. He's like, you've always been such a great like trainer or coach or motivator or whatever it is. I just found this really cool gig that I think you'd be interested. In. And and they're also like, dude, you need to get off the couch. <laughs> so then uh, I interviewed for this gig and it was as a professional speaker and a personal development instructor. And it changed my life. I flew up to Oregon. It was a 24-hour interview after a bunch of phone calls. And that's where I met my mentor. And I started working as a professional or personal development instructor in 2008. And through my mentor, he's the one who introduced me to yoga, which is mm. wild. So it all started to play out because I didn't know any better. Then I was more of a baseball player at that time. Yep. And then I started to really learn about this yogic philosophy and traditions and meditation and mindfulness and mind-body connection all was foreign to me so then i started over a year and a half speaking less coaching less and teaching yoga like more full-time and then that gave birth to really my second career as a speaker coach and call it yoga professional i spent around a decade at core power yoga manage a studio, was a regional manager, then eventually became the director of personal transformation and mindful leadership. Mm. This is really cool intersection of all my skills, talents, and passions where I got to teach personal development, leadership development, and yoga inside of the yoga space. It's cool. Did that for a while. Had a little stop off at Lifetime Athletic where I was the director of yoga programming for them and did the same thing for them for a few years. And then this came full circle and decided to relaunch my speaking and coaching company. So we're in the middle of doing that, having a blast and then enter you, enter Denver. Hmm. My wife and I decided to partner with a longtime friend and open up what we were calling dynamic wellness, a social wellness studio here in Denver. So we packed everything up, paused our life brought the kids out and went all in on this concept. And, uh, you know, we were there, we were involved in that for just about a year. Just a few weeks ago, we decided to close that chapter. So the business is still running, still going. And Nicole and I were like, all right, what's our next adventure? And then here we are looking Mm -hmm. at the next adventure, still coaching, speaking, teaching, doing all that fun stuff, but it's the adventure of life. Wow. Wow. That's, that's the short version of me. Oh, Nicole. So rewind. I met my wife in yoga. I don't think we've ever talked about this. It's also a fun story. I figured out right away. Like I was one of the only dudes in yoga at that time. 
And I was like, ooh, this can go one of two ways. So I made a commitment to myself. I'm like, I'm never going to date a student. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to like really be about this practice. And I was until Nicole walked in a couple years into it. And uh, I don't know if you believe in love at first sight, but man, I was just like jaw dropped, like a cartoon, like lost you. control. Yeah, hit me hard. So uh, for a couple of weeks, there was a little bit of flirting going on, but nothing really was happening. And then at that time, I got promoted to open a studio that was about 20 miles away. So then in my you know Neanderthal brain, I'm like, well she won't be a student anymore because I'll be 20 miles away. I like justified this whole reason to ask her out. Uh, and so I did. And then we ended up getting married. So I'm like, I have one for one. That's fine. So married her. She's a nurse. She's been a nurse for 16 years. She's been teaching yoga for 10. We've got three beautiful kids together. Nine-year-old name's Wyatt. He is like this little engineer, articulate, artful, just awesome little dude and then sage a little girl who is in the video who we were dancing with absolute love of my life she's just the sweetest little thing and jackson our baby he's three and he is a in the sweetest way a little psycho like just jumping off things like a daredevil if we rewind 25 years i've got a 25 year old as well who i had as a freshman in college while i was playing baseball so three little ones, one fully grown man who's off the payroll. And uh yeah. <laughs> wow. The three little ones are here in Denver. Yeah. So much life in there, man. Oh, what a cool story. Some things I, I want to reflect back to you. So you have an ad- adventure baked in there as I was taking notes and listening and absorbing some of that. Not only was there adventure in this nice rhythm I'm using if, if people that can see the screen like a, a roller coaster but it's cool how you said there's this common element of mentorship of coaching that even at a young age came to you which I think is really cool I imagine you had a leadership position on the baseball team and then you were exposed to different things mm-hmm. you talked about yoga which is something I wanted to talk to you about because we haven't gone deep on this show around yoga yet and there's a part of me that is very curious about yoga. I have different friends like Kyle who've been exposed to it as well. And Rocky, who you also know, shared yoga was such a part of his journey. So I want to ask you a little about that, but I just want to honor that you're like with the adventure because Mm -hmm. for all these things to happen, the way that they happened, I have to imagine there's a part of just kind of feeling into things, surrendering to them, Whereas a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, I grew up here. I've lived here 20 years. I started this. Whereas for you, I'm like, oh, you've done a lot of life. That was my initial reaction. That's a great way to frame it. You know, I had to start figuring things out quickly. Yes. Um, my parents got divorced in all the sticks. Mm. And it's me and my brother. I had a brother and a sister from my mom and she got married later. But I feel like at that six years old, things shifted for me. And it was great. I've got four parents who I absolutely love, but also it was rough. And having to take on some roles that a seven-year-old probably shouldn't take on, mm-hmm. I think started to frame it. There was this interesting moment of awareness that I had as a little kid. And I think that's what started the adventure. 
And then when you go back to like this mentor leadership thing, it's funny how people show up in your lives and you don't ever know where they're coming from or why they're there. But the first moment, like when you were saying that, that comes to mind was that when I was in fifth grade, I had this fifth grade teacher, Mr. G. And he was this uh, short little Mexican dude. It's awesome. And I remember one day I was being kind of a jerk at the playground and he caught it. And there was like, you know, six or seven of us, little boys being in the eighties, like doing what we do. Bell rang. They all went in and he grabbed me by the shoulder and he looked me in the eye and he was like, you're better than that. Hmm. And I had never had anybody like hold me accountable that way. And he was like, don't do that. I don't remember, but I just remember the sense of like, you're better than that. That's not you. And from that moment on, I started to view myself in a different light. Mm -hmm. um, tried to take care of people. And, you know, I've made every mistake a 44-year-old man can make. In my relationships, financially, at home with my body, like everything. Right, right. So it's not to say that at fifth grade I became, I just had this awareness and this like acknowledgement and it stuck with me as we went. I think a lot of it sparked there. Yeah, I sense that. I feel that you're a lot more open. And what I've learned from people like you who are open is generally they have failed a lot, including myself, but they're with that failure. Not mm -hmm. like resistance to it. They're willing to share and be like, yeah, this is what I learned. Or this is what was hard. Or this is what was awesome. Even though most humans would say that was terrible. So I sense that from you, just the way that yeah. you smile. Let's talk about yoga for a little bit. So yeah, yoga was a big part of your journey. It's also how you met your wife, which is really cool. And how would you distill the most impactful thing you've learned from yoga? And this can be as oh. simple or as complex as you want to make it. That's just a big old question. I know, I know, I know. I've like dedicated the last 14 years to it. <laughs> and maybe that's why I chose that. Like, how would you distill, like if there's anything in yoga that's common, that's powerful, mm -hmm. it's this. All right, for me personally, it woke me up to this feeling that you're talking about, this openness this thing that you're sensing, because that wasn't there up until, call it 14 mm -hmm. years ago, when I started to shift my worldview and my perception on how things unfolded. So there's this waking up to how the world works for me, and then a waking up to what's possible for my life and for the world. I think that was like the, the first thing there was a wake up call and the way that it's affected me is that it's given me permission to feel and to be open and to be in touch with my feelings and to not have to be the guy I was growing up in a locker room in the eighties and nineties, very different culture. Right. Dude, even in 08 to probably 2014, 15, like it was still made fun of a lot for being in yoga like it was for chicks or for whatever mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. like now i'm actually learning how to be in touch with myself and then having this athletic background and having this entrepreneurial spirit it also really opened up a door for performance and it's funny because i go two ways depending on who i'm talking to about yoga but the ability to slow down my thoughts to connect to my breath to regulate my nervous system to get incredibly still when the world is moving fast. I think it's the biggest PED in the world. Sure. It's 
so powerful when you're talking just specifically to athletes. If you know how to regulate your breath and you're in the middle of an endurance run, right? Like that's the thing out here. Everybody is an ultra endurance athlete. And I'm like, hell yeah, let's go. But you physiologically will slow your heart rate down. You'll get more oxygen into your blood. You'll delay lactic acid and you'll be able to go longer faster. And that's from simply breathing in yoga. The other thing is when you're doing the asanas or the poses, it's a huge mindfulness exercise. You're focusing on the quality of your breath, where your focus goes, your dristi, the shape of your body. So all of that stuff makes you a better human. Like mm -hmm. here's my philosophy all these years later. You don't do yoga to be good at warrior two or like Kyle's our buddy. Like he's the handstand guy. But yeah. like for me, you don't do yoga to be good at handstands. That's awesome. The result is of all of that training that he shares with people to be able to control your body that much is so that you're a good human, so that you can control yourself in life when the kids are going crazy or when your life is blowing up. Yeah. To not react and to not pop off and, you know, have right. to buy your wife a bunch of stuff and kiss butt for two weeks because you said something stupid. <laughs> so it's all about being a better human. Mm. I think that's in the semi big nutshell what it's done for me. It's allowed me to look for what's possible to change myself from the inside, to find peace with who I am, to be a better human. That's the game. I want us, men like you, like me, friends, I don't care what gender you are or how you identify, to leave this world a better place than we found it. That's it. Beautiful. Some things that land there are not only that I mentioned, I have a limited exposure to yoga but you've actually re-inspired me for why I would practice more yoga, slowing down, getting back in touch with self. You know, if nothing else, like I, my mind was just starting to just process like, oh, there's so much stillness in this. Tapping in, as you mentioned earlier, sort of the judgment or the early facade of, oh yeah, yoga's for chicks. There is a strong argument that it allows you to exercise that feminine energy that strong yeah. men forget. I've had a lot mm -hmm. of conversations around this recently, just realizing our relationship with both. And I have so many buddies that it's easy. It's natural for them to be like, oh yeah, I got the masculine in check. If I even bring mm -hmm. up the topic of feminine energy, where I've been investing heavily last few years, they don't even know what that is. And so yoga yeah, is a dude. way to exercise that, right? Man, I love this. Like that's the evolution of fathers or of men that we should be talking about because it doesn't take away from no. your masculine energy. It actually uplifts everything. Mm -hmm. To be able to walk into a room, again, a, to be a, a girl dad, and then to also walk into a locker room and to be able to connect with both. So back to yoga, the word means union or connection. Mm -hmm. Or the way that I would define it now is it's simply relationship. It's your relationship with self, with other people and with the world. So if you hone the craft of being able to connect with other humans, be a hyper-masculine or hyper-feminine, now you're bringing everybody together. Yes. So I think it's a disservice when we don't do one or the other. You know, it, it always swings back and forth right, and depending right. on the situation, but being able to be this like fully developed human, oh, that's the goal. Dude, that's it. I agree. That kind of starts to blend into something you mentioned, and it's a focus of this show as it relates to coaching, 
personal growth, transformation. So you've been coaching for years, as you shared, in different contexts. And now you still run a very prominent coaching business. Before we get into some of the details of that, Mm -hmm. I'm curious, again, at its root, at its core, what gives you energy about coaching people now? What is it? Is it seeing them realize more potential or is there something else? Yes, it's twofold. It's probably more than twofold. So there's this Sanskrit word called sankalpa. Mm -hmm. And it's your purpose for being put on this earth. Mm -hmm. It's like this divine prayer that was imprinted or stamped on your heart as you were put into the earth. And mine is to be a vibrational shift in consciousness. Like that's why I was put here. Mm. So knowing that my purpose is to, and I would say this in that non big dramatic way to wake people up to what's possible. Like that's what gives me the energy. Like, I think that's just why I was put here to demonstrate with who I am, with my body, with my life, what's possible with my words, with coaching circles or on stage. Like it's just to show people what's possible. And I use the word, uh, Shift in consciousness is because sometimes people get mad. People don't like it, but they wake up and they move. So like that was number one. I found that, that that's my purpose. And then when I looked at like my innate skills or gifts and talents that I was given, it's in the role of trainer or coach. And I didn't realize that again until way later. It wasn't until looking back, I was like, oh, damn, I was always kind of put in charge of stuff. And maybe it's being the oldest kid. Like there's a lot of ways in which we could figure out how we got there. But I was always there. And I'm like, cool. Instead of fighting it, I'm just going to lean into it. When did that Um, authentic purpose land? When did you really honor that? The one that you described first? It started to open itself up when I was working as a speaker for Freedom Personal Development. Gotcha. And then it really landed, I would say, a year plus into practicing yoga. It's funny. I can look at every single professional speaker, personal development guru out there and make a tie to yogic philosophy. So I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, it all comes from the same place. Yep, yep, but then yep. when we look at all of our great faith-based traditions, Christianity, Judaism, Hinduism, like they all have these beautiful tie-ins that I'm massively paraphrasing that they're all like guiding us to take care of each other, to love each other. So like- that we're all here. So when I pull all the way back, I'm like, ah, it's all from the same source, bro. Like, this is so cool. I have to interrupt you because yeah. literally I was sharing with you before we hit record that my dad's visiting. He lives in Germany. So there's a special time to be with him for a couple of weeks. And he and I geek out on this type of stuff. And we were literally talking last night, Anthony, because he's had his own relationship with Sufism and finding self and getting that real inner peace and inner clarity. And so we were talking about exactly what you just shared. And I would use the umbrella term waking up because that lands with me. One of my favorite books, Awareness by Anthony DeMello, the late Anthony DeMello, which is a type of book I recommend to people who are starting to question life at a deeper level. And it's all about that. It's about waking up and back to your point, which is so paramount. It's like, I think everyone wakes up in their own way, but if you wake up and you start to really feel what's presenting itself, and of course, this is from my lens, then you start to sense when you're leaning into other people 
or absorbing energy from other people who have woken up that, like you said, we're saying the same thing. It's just slightly mm-hmm. different words. It's slightly different moves, but it's the same type of language, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what you can just be like, oh shit, what I saw in yoga is so similar to this Buddhist philosophy or so similar to this Easter. Like it all just blends. And that's where I feel like things get more peaceful because it's like, oh, you're trying to find peace too. You're just using a different way, different tool, a different framework. So I really want to honor that you said that because that is like exactly the lightning that's hitting in this house as we speak. That's awesome. (laughs) One of my favorite things, I've taught probably close to 6,000 classes in the last 14 years. And I've had this thing come up after class, can you know, like try to keep it the the message and the theme universal and connected to these things? Hey, dude, I always knew you were Jewish, man. That's cool that you shared that in class today. And I'm like, yeah. Hey, dude, I've always knew that you were this hardcore Christian. Like, right on, bro. Thanks for sharing the message of God. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, Anthony, I knew it, but I could never figure it out until today that you were Hindu. Like, super cool. So I've had different people from their lens, like yep, yep. they. I see you. I know what you're doing. And I'm just like, right on. Love Roll that. Away. Yeah. Yeah. And it's cool because it, you're right. Like people get it. On the other hand, too, we were talking about waking up. This goes back to your other question. I feel like once you've woken up or you've been awake for a little bit, it's hard to put the handcuffs back on. Mm. Like once you, you're like, oh, I can't go back there. And so there's this friction that happens. And this is why I love yoga and where that source of coaching comes from and where they're both like really combined. There's lots of different practices, but I'm a power vinyasa guy. It gets hard. Like it's arduous. It's, it's intense. And the intensity of the asana of the moment wakes you up to where you're in denial, to where you're avoiding. But that moment of being awake is the access point to connection, to fulfillment, to all of the above. So to answer your question, where do I get that energy from? It's to deliver that. Mm. It's to help people. Like when I see people wake up, when we can have these conversations, like for me, this is this is awesome. If we could do this every day with a bunch of people we loved and make a living, like there's nothing else I'd rather do. Sure. Take a few runs and some classes here and there, but like this is it. Right. So it's symbiotic where we're lifting each other up, but that's where the energy comes from to see people who are getting it and feeling it. And then we just help each other lift. The other Mm -hmm. thing is, again, back to making a shit ton of mistakes. Uh, Yeah. I'd rather help you not make the same one. (laughs) Yes. Like, dude, what worked for you? What didn't? Don't do this. Don't do that. Awesome. (laughs) 100%. Yeah. So much of that lands with me. I committed to coaching more recently. So I'm earlier on in my journey than you are. And there's parts of it that just mimic your your beautiful words, like just so much energy and fulfillment and being able to just see other people at a minimum. Like I see you and then reflect back to them and then provide, like you said, any insight on like, yo, I've tried that. And I'm not telling you not to yes, no, good, bad. I'm just saying that this is my experience. There's a lot of value in that, Mm -hmm. especially when it's someone that I think is walking a similar walk. Right. And to me, a lot of that all starts to blend back into energy. It's like, oh, well, you've done this or you're seeking this. Here's my experience with it. I can share that. What's your experience? And what's really beautiful about coaching. And I think why I've been hyper-focus on transformation is I think 
when two people are in a coaching relationship, one that they're both committed to doing the work. And this doesn't just apply to like life esoteric coaching. It could be baseball. It could be anything. When two people are in that, man, there's this exponential learning. And that's why I think we get caught because I've have had some mentors in my life where now it's very clear to me being a bit more awake that they had this job and they thought they just had to give all this information and teach and preach. Whereas where I've gotten the most impact is I'm like, oh shit, the person that's mentoring me is actually learning too. And then vice versa. In my relationship with it, I'm like, yo, I'm here to help and be a guide, but I'm also learning. That's why I'm here with you, you know? Dude, I'm getting fired up. Yes. Okay. This is like the center of my belief system. I'm a practitioner, period, end of story. Like I will never tell or share anything with anybody that I haven't personally tried or experienced. Mm -hmm. There's theorists and there's practitioners. And so for us, how old are you? 38. 38. Okay. It's like we're not kids. There's mm -hmm. a lot of life in there. Your father, you've owned a couple of businesses. Like there is experience. Sure, so right. being a practitioner and say, hey, I'm in this too. And we're figuring this together rather than, yo, I read this in a book, dude, or I saw this on Instagram. You should try it. Like, no, bro. <laughs> I think that's what makes you a powerful coach, an agent of transformation. I lean on that too. And that's not to say that we don't continue to learn and get our certifications and do all that stuff. But I value practitioners above all else because mm. I've been in there. You've scraped your knees. You've won. You've lost. Um, it's coming from real life and not a rocky movie totally dude yep that same philosophy over here as it relates to this one of the final things i want to sort of just get into with you is retreats so retreats mm -hmm. have been a part of your world a part of your journey retreats have had a profound impact on me what do they mean to you and are you still doing them right now are you still leading them yeah i just relaunched actually so nice. thank you so new energy, it sounds like. New energy, yeah. I'll be doing a couple this year. I've led normally two to four per year since 2011. So mm -hmm. they are a huge, huge part of my life. As a participant or as a student, there's a couple of different, I would put them into two buckets, like a seminar style retreat or a yoga style retreat. Have the same end, just a different path to it. Get back to your, your question. What's the why behind going on one? Yep. For me, it's an opportunity to unplug from your life and to plug into you. When we go on vacation, part of the reason why they're so cool is because you're getting out of your everyday routine. So we are mostly operated by our subconscious. It said 90% of our thoughts are the same, think the same shit every day. And there's that right, little right. bit of room. So that's why practices like gratitude and meditation and working out in the morning, like that's how we get to reprogram that 90%. So we have those people in our life who are like always winning, who are always stoked, who are just like, dude, I don't want to be around you. You're such a light. Then there's those people in our life who I lovingly call the um, Eeyores. They're just always like, man, yeah, right, right. because they're unconsciously looking for everything that's not working yep. versus the other side. But coming back... If our life is a lot of routine and we go on vacation and it's new, the mechanism is that we're a lot more present. We're in the moment. We are seeing things fresh for the first time. 
because even that wears off if you have your favorite vacation spot yep. and it's your third or fourth time there you're like oh, yeah i kind of know it so going on a retreat does two things it gives you that space to unplug to be somewhere new maybe you've never been so that you're hyper aware and you're present then you can catch your default thinking you can catch how you've been but primarily what it does is it's like a big time out on life you don't have to go to work you don't have to for the most part have the roles that you normally have as husband wife father mom whatever your roles are you can just be the you before your name even there's a, a retreat that I lead where we give people the opportunity to choose their name every day. Mm. So like I show up with a name tag. I was Yoda one day. I was, um, <laughs> I was this woman the other day. Like it's just different names, but then it's interesting when you're that checked into you and how you show up. But like when I was Yoda, I moved around different. I saw the world differently. And then when I was this woman who I really looked up to, I embodied her differently. So it's just it's a cool exercise. Anyway, yeah. so when you're on retreat, you get to dump everything. And it's like a yoga class or even a good run or a good workout. You have that hour where you go deep, you go hard, you get out of your head, you get into your body and you feel really good. Then you get back into your car and you got to put your dad hat back on. When you're on retreat, you don't have to do that. You get to stay in the experience and then you have another class that night and you're in community with 10 to 20 people who are doing the same thing so for seven days there's curriculum that's guiding you to transformation to waking up to whatever the intent is you're with a group who are all doing the same thing devices are pretty much gone you just create this little container of awakening and transformation while you're connecting mind, body, and spirit in a beautiful place. Mm. That's why. So if I could give everybody on the planet a prescription for peace, for growth, and for healing, it's to do one retreat a year. Mm. Yep. Like if you can figure that out, it could be yoga. It could be surf. It can be Vipassana meditation, which is a whole nother thing. It's just about being intentional and deliberate. Do that once a year. Are you familiar with Colin O'Grady? Oh, yeah. His recent okay. retreat, The Darkness. Dude. Yeah. So a couple weeks ago, um, because we've had this shift in our life, I was like, all right, it's time to rebirth and start again. So I did his 12-hour walk. Nice. Are you, are you familiar it? with that? Yeah, I haven't done it, but I, I read the book. Dude, do it. It was incredible. But it's the same thing about unplugging and being with yourself. So the parameters are you go for a walk for 12 hours, no devices, no talking, no books, no nothing. You're just with you. Exactly. And and I went to a campground. I forget the name of it because I'm new here, but it was closed and there was snow everywhere. So I didn't see another human. I maybe heard two birds. Ended up walking 24 miles for 12 hours and it just fundamentally rinsed me, healed some parts of me that were hurting. And it was like a boop. Begin again, bro. Let's go. This is incredible. So you have like a week-long retreat where you can go across the globe and go all in, or you can walk out of your front door for 12 hours, come home, and get a hit of it. Dude, it's so good. I'm back on a kick of reading The Daily Stoic. And just the other day, there's a passage on 
retreating inside stoicism philosophy being able to retreat in your mind and there's value in that right there's wisdom in that but what's really interesting and i totally agree with as it relates to what you shared is like it's hard to do that in the environment we've created the conditions we have today like mm-hmm. just to unplug during your day and and retreat and go inside is not easy and i'm not making excuses for people it's just we do live in a hyper connected world and so what you shared well you actually answered some of the questions i was going to follow up on so it's beautiful but it's like, <laughs> Because I was going to say, like being a leader of retreats, how often you suggest, I think at least once a year is a beautiful suggestion. Even the more grand retreats, like a few days, because there's this argument I would make that if you really want to find some internal clarity, the 12 mile walk can be a powerful tool. And now I'm definitely mm-hmm. going to do it just hearing what you got out of it. But there's also something to be said about immersing yourself in a natural environment with intention for several days, three, four, five days. And the environment that's created is crucial because like if I go retreat to New York City, right, it's like what's in New York City? A lot yeah. of distractions. But if I go retreat to a beautiful place or a more remote destination mm-hmm. where nature's raw influence is just, is just there, dude. And it's like, that's it. I've been doing them in different capacity these last few years. I've been doing two or three per year, several day retreats with intention, either on just self or men's work in front of our dads, my fatherhood community. One of the things I'm also paying attention to because I'm starting to lead them, I'm excited for what I'm leading out here in Colorado this summer is that when it is guided, so like the types of retreats that you lead, there's mm-hmm. a sense of relaxation because now I'm like, oh, a leader's got this. Anthony's mm-hmm. got me. He's going to curate this experience. He's already put some intention into why we're even here. I just have to do me now, right? So I think there is a difference there because I've had retreats with buddies, which are cool as well. But then it's like, oh, we're hanging out. We got to make decisions. We have to figure out what we're going to do. So there's different variations of retreat. And I'll just go back to what you said. I love if at a minimum, Find one per year where you can really disconnect in an intentional environment and then go do some 12 hour walks just to like refresh, dude. Dude, we could go even deeper. That's what a daily meditation practice is for too, Mm -hmm. which I get like we are busy and it's hard, but you can go. This is my, my dad, my mom and dad hack. Go to the bathroom. The kids for the most part will leave you alone. If you're like, Hey, I'm going poop. Like they get it. (laughs) But you sit there for 10 minutes with your eyes closed and meditate. And there's like so many different ways, you know, we could do that on our next chat on different meditation practices, but to dip into silence. For me, I did 20 minutes twice a day. I use the Ziva technique. Emily Fletcher is a meditation teacher. She's out in New York in Manhattan, which is crazy. Oh, interesting. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. But twice a day, 20 minutes, like that's it. One of the things my mentor Eric taught me in the very beginning There was a quote that stuck with me. It was from Mahatma Gandhi. Mahatma Gandhi said, in the attitude of stillness, the soul finds itself in a clearer light. And what was once elusive and deceptive resolves itself into crystal clarity. And I'm like, wow, that's it. So just get still. Get still in the run, in the movement, in the walk, in the retreat, or hiding on the toilet twice a day because the kids are screaming, like, just drop in. So there's, there's ways to access it for all of us. Yes. Um, but point. back to your like distinction of a self-led retreat is kind of what we're talking about. 
and or a guided, led, intentional, themed, mm-hmm. curriculum-driven retreat. I think they're both incredible. You just have to kind of figure out what what you need most or what would serve you most at the time. It's also well, where you're at in your development too. It's hard for some people to just like figure it out on their own. Yes. So an easier access point is like, hey, we're going to go on this retreat. Yep. Here's our intention. Here's our focus. Here's what you're going to do. Show up and like go all in, but I got you. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah, dude, the final note I want to make on that is that I was just actually t- teaching my kids who are five and seven right now what the word retreat means. Because as I shared with you, my wife is just coming home from a retreat herself, pick her up here in about 30 minutes. It's exciting. Africa, just finding herself with beautiful animals and environment. And they were like, well, what is a retreat? And I paused to think about that. I was like, well, a lot of humans would define retreating as a means of running back or moving away from something, especially as it's been used in warlike scenarios, warlike terminology. Uh And so there could be this negative perception like, oh, he's retreating, she's retreating. But in reality, to just really tie everything together that you share, it's like, we need this. There is a balance of retreating, of getting out of this normalcy, this conditioning to find ourselves to find center and then come back. And so I love the word. I'm using it more regularly. And in fact, if I find people who can tell are just immersed in stress, I'm like, when is the last time you've retreated? When is the last time you've removed yourself from the chaos that you probably manage on a daily basis? Now I'm in these rhythms of life and thing where I'm like, I can't consider not retreating. It's just mm-hmm. part of what I need to show up, you know? I love that you said that because most people who consider themselves high achievers, which I would completely put you in that realm, know that retreating in moments of stillness and self-development, they are a priority. It's the people who don't get that, who stay stuck in this. And then there's so much collateral damage to their body, to their relationships, to all the above. That's the message. And it's back to the very beginning of this conversation of like, yoga is for girls or it's this or it's that. And it's being able to communicate the real benefits of all of this to who's in front of you. So when you're in front of somebody who's trying to really get the most out of this life, that's the message like dude the more you retreat the more you'll have and the more it's and the like, better you come back this, yeah it's this universal law and if there's anything you want then you've got to give it if i'm looking for more love then i've got to love more if i'm looking for more forgiveness then i better forgive myself if i'm looking for more time then i've got to give myself more time it reminded me of the word sacrifice where you're like hot on the word retreat lately i've been hot on the word sacrifice because people think it means you give something up or you quit or whatever actual definition is to give up something of value mm-hmm. like I, this is valuable for something of greater value yeah it's an expansion of it like oh, dude i love i love this like this is my thing but there's something even greater if i do release this because we get so stuck here so it's like that my time is valuable I've got a lot on my plate, that 15 minutes to bring it home of meditation, what you're getting in return is of greater value. It's more present. It's more peace. It's a lower blood pressure. It's more cognitive performance. It's more presence with your kids. So like, oh, got it. And the retreat just like tenfold. Mm. Your wife's going to be 
It's going to be fun when she gets home. (laughs) That's real. Thank you. Well, thank you for all of this. We have a time constraint today. So I want to wrap on some fun questions before we close, but I just want to honor you for how you show up, brother. We will link to all the amazing things you're doing in the world today. So thank you for all the wisdom you just dropped. So fun questions. First one, what's one of the funniest things that one of your kids has said lately? Oh, my daughter. <laughs> she, where did we go? I took her to a, a coffee shop to get some cocoa. And she looked me dead in the eye and she's like, Daddy, I'm your favorite, huh? And I was like, she's like, I don't know what to say. And she is so nonchalant. And I tightened up. And I'm like, no, baby, I love you all. Why, why do you say that? And she, she grabs her cocoa. That's like this big ass tub because we're at Unravel. And she's like, I just can feel it. I know I'm your favorite. And I was like, I started sweating. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, that's a slippery slope when kids start asking about favoritism. So and one of the other ones have never said that, but Interesting. I know, it's girl dad thing. And she's six, right? She's six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sepia, who's five, is saying some pretty deep things along those veins as well, where she's just like really dropping, I'd say, more mature questions into the mm-hmm. picture. And dude, I'm keeping this thing on my phone now where if it's within reach, I'll go grab it and put stuff down in terms of things Sepia says. It's like an ongoing notes oh, and something I'll share. Yeah. The other day, I think I came right out of recording a podcast. This is recently. And she's down there like making things with these blocks, with like engineering things. And I'm like, Sepia girl, what are you doing down there? And she goes, dad, I'm fixing an invention. <laughs> <laughs> like that's going in the phone. Like I'm not going to correct anything there. We're going to see how long she fixes inventions, dude. But oh, I love this face. Number two, what animal are you most scared of? Oh, most probably like a snake. Mm, yeah. Uh, you familiar with Hazen Odell? He's a wilderness explorer. He's on Disney Channel. No. So he's pretty cool, dude, in you know, light of all the, the wilderness reality experts, because in looking at those over different years, because we like to find documentaries, I like people who are actually like doing it and at least trying to feel more rugged. Like the dude is walking in his bare feet. He's making a fire every night, which he geeks out about, which I love. Yeah. Sometimes he's like, Hazen is his name? Time. Hazen Audell. It's on Disney+. Okay. Plus. Anyways, the reason I'm bringing him up is because... He's got roots in biology and he will literally pick up the most venomous snakes and just like, and I'm like you, I'm like, yo, I'm not scared of many animals, but like a deadly snake, not something I'm going to like try my chances with it. He'll just pick it up. I I don't know what it is about. I'm like, I, you know, in my Neanderthal brain, I'm like, yeah, I'll fight a bear. I'll fight a wolf. I'll go out like Tristan and Legends of the Fall. What a freaking snake, bro. I'm with you, dude. I am with you. A big snake is not something that I'm going to try my chances with. No. All right. Last one, ma'am. What is one of your favorite childhood memories? Oh, dude, these are not quick fire questions. (laughs) Uh, Favorite childhood memories. Let's see. I think the, the one that's coming to mind is just summertime um staying at my cousin's like playing basketball all day eating pizza going swimming Mm. uh sneaking out at night and like 
I guess it's fine. Statue of limitations, like throwing M80s around the neighborhood, you know, just like being a little, being a boy, just being a little crazy. You know, it just felt so free. And it's funny, like that's my whole thing now is like be free, but it felt so, so free. We weren't a lot of cares or heaviness. We just did what we did and had fun. And yeah. Mm, that's beautiful, man. Yeah. That takes me back. I just feel instant nostalgia of this. Like it's the simple things. It's like the pizza. Yeah. It's the friends. It's the beach. We used to relentlessly just run around in the woods and get lost and play capture the flag or hide and go seek. And now I'm like, damn, that's like the same shit I want to do with humans now on these retreats. Like I want to take them in the woods and get lost with them. Let's do that. An adult capture the flag. Yes. Personal development retreat. Like, oh, that would be right. The neighbors would yell at us. My dad turned our whole backyard into a basketball court. Like my dad's freaking awesome, but he like killed his lawn. We put lights up and the neighbor would stand over the fence like midnight, one in the morning. Go to bed. It's time to stop. Cause we're out there yelling and yeah. playing and we had music on and yeah, we would just play until we couldn't yeah. and, and watch like Cheech and Chong movies and just hang out. But yeah, that was fun. That's it. All right, brother. So yeah, maybe that's in our future. Co-creating an adult capture the flag experience in Done. the mountains of Colorado. That would give me a lot of energy. <laughs> Let's do it, bro. This is one of many conversations I feel. So thank you for being here today. Thank you for being you. And anything left unsaid before we wrap up, brother? Uh, same. Thank you. Thank you for creating this. Thank you for doing it. I think more and more people in our shoes should hear these messages let's keep up this good work great for you brother indeed man it's my pleasure all right until the next combo all right peace